Podcast for Taylor's politics. Kevin Carter over Skype. Kevin Carter, good afternoon, sir. What's up? How you doing? I'm hanging in there, man. I uh, I see that you got a a fish fry going on at, at the house. <laughs> yeah, we we mom and dad went fishing yesterday. They caught some fish, fried it up, had the family come over. Uh, I, I actually saved you a plate because unlike Horace Grant and some bad games, you actually had a good podcast last week. So. Uh, Oh, is this going to take your dinner from you? <laughs> I appreciate it, man. But I know you're going to start laughing, but you know I don't like seafood. So. I know, I know. That's why I ate that I was thinking. <laughs> I figured I'd get a little kick out of it. But I, I appreciate it, man. Now, hey, y'all y'all got some chicken out of it because I know your mom can, can fry some chicken. I'm there. <laughs> 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 you just go to Popeye's, bro. <laughs> just go to Popeye's. <laughs> There's one right down the street from the house now. You just go to Popeye's. Right, if man. they actually have your chicken, because I went the other day, went to get some wings. We don't have any wings. What? I was like, are you not Popeye's chicken? And they were like, yes. I said, do you not have a meal that is actually a three-piece wing meal? And they were like, yes. I said, well, how the hell did you run out of wings? <laughs> well, but what if? Hey, at least you didn't wait, you know, an hour for food. Though. No. No. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, I was stuck. I had a story one time explaining Kevin and I got stuck waiting on Popeyes, but there was no way out in the drive-thru. And I was just yeah, you were stuck. Yeah, so. He was quarantined in the drive-thru with Popeyes. <laughs> hey, facts, man. Facts. All right, man. Let's let's hop into it, man. Let's hop into last Dan. It was this was seven eight was was deep. It was dark. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of cover and and uh, Kevin, man. I, I mean, it's. This, this this was a, a lot. It was, it was a lot to take in, man. What, what was your overall thoughts about trying to get into everything? Of that these were the uh, these were the most emotional episodes that have they they have had yet. It's the most. It, this was the these were the ones to where when Mike said at the beginning, people were going to start thinking me. People start thinking me as a hole mm-hmm. when they see this series. Well, these were the episodes that they were talking about where everybody might have viewed Mike in a different light. But they were they were emotional and, and they hit you in the field at, at certain times. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. I'm first time, this was the first time we've actually seen the video of him with the basketball, but we actually heard it. Right, right. You've always seen the pictures, seen parts of the videos, but you never heard it. And the way he was sobbing and just the emotion coming from him was was insane. That's the part that got me the most. That and when he made the speech at, at wherever he was filming it at and was telling him, hey, if you, I'm trying to bring you with me. And then he got emotional talking about the way he is on the basketball court and with his teammates. Then that, yeah, those were the two big parts for me. Right. So, yeah, watching that man, I was just like, wow, that's uh, this all, all is just deep. So, um, but we're gonna dig into it, and I know Kevin kind of covered, so I ain't gonna. We've got a lot to cover with this, so I'm just gonna get right into it. Now, it kicked off with uh, Jerry Krause presser, where Craig Sager asked asking him if he's surprised how the team has held it together despite the backstabbing between the front office and the coach Phil Jackson. Krause goes off and leaves the set immediately. And uh, and just kind of really just went back at Craig and just and 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 you you actually if you hear the clip whenever it happened and I'm, I know Ken watched this a few times you know one of the reporters said way to go Craig <laughs> so yeah way, way way to mess it all up for all of us Craig because yeah. nobody else got to ask a question because he left right he just stormed out like, of there so uh, yeah, I'm like but Craig was Craig was right to ask it because he was dead on with. How did that team hold up like that with all the crap that was going on between him and Phil? And it, it was it is amazing that it's amazing that that team held up like it did, but it held up because Mike made them hold up. Yeah, no, it was just so much pressure put on them, and 
And Jerry Krause did put pressure on, on them at the beginning of the season, let them know that regardless of what happened, uh, Phil he's, Jackson, out. he's out. And so uh, you could have – I mean, as a team, you can take that one or two ways. Like, well, you know, our coach is not there, so we might as well just go ahead and just screw it, just cave in the skin or not. We're going to come out and, and back our coach. And, uh, yeah, they, they came out, and that's why when they got there, just – it's crazy how they got there with all the adversity. So, crazy. but it's, a, it's a, what killed what got me about these episodes was it's amazing how many times Mike said that he was out of it. He didn't feel like playing anymore. He was he was getting burnt out, but still went out there and performed at the highest level of anybody and won, even though he was feeling every single year. He was feeling burnt out and ready for it to end. It's just, it's just crazy that a guy, a guy might have been feeling that way, but because of his competitiveness and his willingness to win, he still went out there and performed at the highest of ability. Right. All right. Next question I got here, or are we going to where they? I'm fine. Sound like that one though. Right. <laughs> you sounded like you sounded like Doctor Evil. No, well, I, I got to turn on my phone because people decide to test me when I do a podcast, and it's frustrating. So, yeah, I was going to take some pictures of my shoes. That was yeah. it. Well, no, not you. There was somebody else. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, I haven't got to test all day, and now y'all want to test me. So I got fired off because <laughs> it syncs with my computer, and that's why I heard a little ding. I'm sorry, folks. Yeah. You hear that. And I, y'all know y'all heard in the past before, and this is a group test, and they like to send crazy test match so it's gonna go off so i've had to turn off my phone so sorry about that anyways <laughs> what he's telling them is no i ain't going paintball <laughs> exactly. oh man all right so back in july 1993 um michael's father james jordan goes missing and has not been heard from in about three weeks uh you know usually go back to the carolines and 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 the way they broke it down he go see family and and hang out a little bit go fishing um but it found out that he was murdered by two young men and his body was found and his car was left and, and all his belongings was, was taken and his body was found uh, in a creek in early August. Now, Kevin, you know, where were you when you heard this news? Because this, this is one of those events that many people have like a, a story of where they were. And I want to know, when you heard this news, where were you and your reaction to this news of James Jordan? I, I, was, I, was, I think I was at the house and we were watching, I think we were watching the local, it was local news or, or I was in my room or something like that. But my mom told me, mm. mom told me that, did you hear Michael Jordan's dad passed away? And I was like, no. I was like, I, 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 I didn't hear. And then we turned on the news and it was actually on, it was actually on the Chicago news channel because we got WGN here. Mm-hmm. So we were, I was, I was watching the WGN and they, had a break-in thing on it, and basically they were covering it all day. And yeah, that's I found out because my mom told me, and then I ended up watching WGN and heard what all had happened and everything. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was I was I was shocked like everybody else was. Hey, I, I got the news broken to me by my father. My dad came in and was like, "Hey, you're." I'm making remember that when yeah. you were only like four. I was at eight at the time. <laughs> <laughs> You know, of course, he, he didn't use the words like, you know, basically the same words that your mom used, like, you know, his life was taken away. He went murder and stuff like that. I'm like, what? How? You know, I'm just trying to figure out what happened. You know, I'm a big basketball guy, a big basketball boy at the time. I was watching basketball. He was like, hey, you know, Michael Jordan dad passed away. I was like, huh? He was like, yeah, they found his body. And he's not he's not here. And he showed me the news. I sat there and watched it. I'm just like, what? So it was just a lot of process. Even that, you know, just a, you know, this bigger than life icon is just got hit with this unfortunate news of his father passing. So um, it was just hard to see that. Um, my dad, you know, who's a big basketball guy at the time, kind of took it a little hard, and and a lot of people did. Man, it's just it's, it's, you see, it was it. shocking. Yeah, it, it was it was shocking. shocking, and it came out of nowhere. And you and everybody always viewed Mike as this otherworldly being, mm-hmm. and with his dad dying and everything it humanized Mike to a certain extent because back then you gotta think people my age the people that were my age um, not necessarily your age because you was eight 
But I was in my teenage years and everything. Mike was a superhero. And then when you hear about his dad, and then when you hear him came out and talk about it finally, and everything, it, it made Mike a person. And you sympathized with Mike, and you, you were on his side, and you wanted you didn't want Mike to hurt, because if Mike hurt, you hurt. Mm-hmm. And it was it was it was bad back then, and then reliving it through it now, it was it was it was rough. It was rough. Yeah. Uh, so as a three peat, you know, yeah. and and the mother of his father, um, he decided to retire. I mean, I mean, you as a teenager, you you see all this stuff that's happening to him. But what were your thoughts then when you when you saw that as, as that happening? Because there's just and then so again. Much and again, my mom comes up to me and goes, now Michael Jordan retired. And I'm like, bullshit. I think that was my words, too. Mm. When she said he was retiring the first time, I was like, bull crap. She's like, no, Mike's retiring. And again, we had to turn it on WGN so I could watch the press conference of Michael Jordan retiring. And it was, it was, it was a shock that this dude, but you understood why. Because you could tell Mike was worn down how his emotions were he was taking a toll on him Mm -hmm. and you were like you understood why he's stepping away from the game yeah just seeing that now on the documentary when that happened you know I'd like I said looking at the impact of that now just like was just stunning to see that you know this bigger than life figure player is stepping away from the game and and, you know he's he's it he's the face of the NBA and it's just like wow like he can just do that. <laughs> you just won three. Like you're you're in you're in your prime, and you can just just walk away like that. And um, yeah. and then you hear the other stories from people that are like, he said this in '92 during the Olympics mm-hmm. that this is going to be my last year. I want to go play baseball. That he told people this. Right. That he wanted to go play baseball. He told people in the Olympics that after this after this next season, I want to go and play baseball because my dad wanted me to. Hmm. Because that was a dream of me and my dad's was to go play baseball. And you, it was crazy, man. The the stories that come out now that we're hearing because of the documentary and everything, it just puts a new perspective on all this stuff that you remember from back then. Yeah, and I'm glad you transitioned to that because that's gonna be my uh, next segment where he did something. I know. (laughs) I I have this uncanny ability. I appreciate it, my man. He, he signed with the Chicago White Sox, who was owned by Jer- Jerry Reinsdorf. And him and his father's love, you know, pushed him this route, as Kevin mentioned. The funny part was he wanted to play for the Cubs. <laughs> hey, I'm about to say, you know Chicago was split on that. Like, he's in a White Sox uniform, the Cubs fan. Funny, well, you saw the game where he, he actually played. They played a White Sox-Cubs mm-hmm. game. And they were playing it in Wrigley Field, and all these people wearing Cubs stuff. He gets a double, and everybody stands up and just starts cheering. And yeah, <laughs> so Michael Jordan was the only thing that could like could bring the barriers together. Right, and and Kevin, you watch baseball more than I do. You know the White Sox and the Cubs. I really don't like one another. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they really don't like one another. So. Um... But Mike brought them all together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, during that, you know, he, he went to the Brigham Barons and had a 13-game hitting streak. His average dropped once uh, opponents started sending breaking pitch, pitches his way. And then he ended up averaging uh, 202 hitting percentage for the season. Kevin, break that down. How, how what, what does this mean as far as, like, him sure. – for a guy who hadn't played baseball in as many years as he's played baseball, uh, 202 is not a bad batting average for for a guy that hadn't played since he was, what? I think he said he hadn't played baseball since he was like 13 or 14. They said it was 14 years since he actually picked up a bat. <laughs> exactly. So for a guy who hadn't done that in 14 years, it, uh, it, it's, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, we... You knew the one thing, the bad thing, the ultimate equalizer in baseball, especially with pitching, is if you haven't played in a while and somebody starts throwing curves and breaking balls and stuff, you're screwed. Because you're used to seeing that ball coming straight at you at batting practice. Mm-hmm. Nobody's throwing curveballs and stuff. And when somebody starts throwing those breaking pitches to you, it's, a, it's an incredibly different story. But towards the end of the year, you, uh, like Terry Francona said, 
uh, he was adjusting to it and he was starting to to get a grasp on it. And like Terry said, if he would have seen 1,500 at-bats, Mike would have been a good baseball player. If he would have stuck to it through, through long enough, mm-hmm. he would have been a good baseball player. But thank God B. Day Armstrong came in. <laughs> um, I tell you what, man, it's pretty cool to see Terry Francona being his manager. Yeah, where he's at now, just like wow, like yep. just that long ago. It's just how crazy how time flies, and you see where they at. Somebody players- and see here, and here we know a bunch of this stuff because they played the Suns all the time. Mm-hmm. They they always played Jacksonville and everything, so we knew what these we knew who the players were and everything like that. So it was cool. I was like, "Yeah, Terry Francona coached him," and they were like, "The Terry Francona." Mm-hmm. I was like, "No, his brother, Terry Francona." Yes, the <laughs> Terry Francona. <laughs> oh man! Hey, so with this time, you know, people started to speculate and get stories out there and. I know we covered a little bit in the podcast, but they covered this a little bit in, in the documentary about where Mia went ahead and released a story about as far as death and how it could relate to the gambling deaths. Um, which was sorry to cover that too. It's false, man. It, it was it was it was a false thing. Just people wanted to bring that in. They brought that in, and then they wanted to bring up the the reason that he retired was because David Stern was giving him a. Uh, suspension for 18 months and then the best part of that was david stern on the interview why would i suspend the face of my league for 18 months he was like that makes no sense whatsoever from a business perspective <laughs> <laughs> yeah and jay adande had a good tweet on this he was like he like, I never got the whole gambling accusations and stuff like that, especially in the league, the NBA, which is the most leakiest league <laughs> there's out there. You can find information out in the NBA quicker than any other league, and you you bet somebody would have found something about that in regards to you know there have been any gambling and, and stuff like that. And here's the thing. And here's the thing with gambling. Mike wouldn't have any gambling debts because Mike was rich. <laughs> Mike would pay his gambling debts. So is dad death being a gambling debt thing coming up? No, because I'm pretty sure Mike had enough money to pay if he was gambling. Gotcha. Just, just saying. <laughs> All right. Then in the documentary, they transitioned to 1995, and they they showed a practice of uh, where Michael Jordan is trying to push his teammates and talk trash. He's uh, trying to get on the Scott Burrell. Uh, he called everybody in there who was down around there a hoe. Uh, he wanted to make sure that they would come, you know, fight back and keep their composure. <laughs> what was the clip where you saw he was talking trash to Scott Burrell and then the move where Scott tried to pull on him and he looked at him and he in a fucking shot. What did he say? Get that bitch shit out of here. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it showed you what Mike, and Mike even admitted later on he goes, I love Scott. He goes, Scott Burrell was one of my favorite guys, but that's just the way Mike was. That was Mike's, that was White's way of leadership, mm-hmm. was push and push and push and push and push until you got better. And it was Bill Whittington that said, man, everybody thought he was an asshole. He goes, but now that you look back on it, him pushing up like that made us what we were. He goes, so now that you look back on it, he was a good damn teammate. Oh, yeah. To look at it and go, man, he was a bad teammate. Now you look back on it, he pushed us to where we went. No, he was a great teammate. (laughs) But the Steve Kerr one was the best one. Yeah, we'll save that for later. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right. All right, so they transitioned in the documentary to the 1993-94 season. Uh, where Scottie Pippen had led the Bulls team into an uh, identical record in the championship team the year before. Uh, they get to game three versus the Knicks, and the Bulls are down 2-0 in that series. And Jackson drew up a play for Tony Kukoc. And when Tony, or when Pippen heard that, Tony Pippen decided not to go back in the game. After the game, well, as you know, Tony hit the shot, and they win the game, and they get the series 2-1. Bill Cartwright, they even explained in the documentary, Bill Cartwright, he 
is very level-headed in the locker room with tears and calls out Pippen. And even Pippen got emotional and then he rests a decision. And so Pippen comes out the next game on fire and then just gave Patrick Ewing a nasty facial. Now, Super Oh, Earl, Super oh my favorite dunk Super of all time. Earl, I'm calling out Super Earl on this one. That's a dunk on somebody. That's what I said last week. <laughs> Since Sue Bird, that picture has been like, no, this is dunking on somebody. <laughs> Kim, your whole thoughts about that that whole situation and how they painted the picture with Pippen, because they explained it well. Pippen had that team running, and the triangle offense was looking as great as it ever has under Phil. And, you know, Pippen just a different player than MJ, of course, and What's your thoughts about this whole 93-94 season, that incident that he had against the Yeah, it was it was Scotty's it was Scotty's big big uh downfall. That was that was Scotty's big uh oh poop what did I do moment. That was that was his one bad moment that he had that whole season. And he was doing such a good job leading that team without Mike and being being a totally different type of leader than Mike was. And it, that was that was the one thing to where he went, oh damn, Scotty, really? You couldn't just went into the game and let Scotty take the shot. You've been doing. He's been he's been leading that whole way throughout the year, mm-hmm. being a being a team guy. And then just because they didn't draw up the shot for you, even though we knew you were the best player on that team, just because they didn't draw up that shot for you, doesn't mean means you should have kept leading the same way you were leading throughout that. And that. That's the one black eye that Scotty had on that season. Yeah, but his response was beautiful, and um, I know you know they ended up losing to the Knicks. Uh, that that still came out where he he he, he did a really good job um, leading this team. And um, like even when I remember when I was younger, I was like, oh, Michael Jordan. I, I don't know the Bulls. You know, I, I they got time. I don't know how much. This be interesting to see how they gonna be without MJ. And I think without Mike, without Mike, the triangle offense flowed without Mike. Because when Mike was there, it was the triangle offense, but damn it, Mike's still getting the ball. (laughs) This was the triangle offense, and they didn't care who got the ball. Mm -hmm. At the end of the thing, at the end of the day, when Mike's there, you knew you could get the ball to Mike, and Mike was going to get his shot. This triangle offense was. Let's get it to the guy who's going to be open, and they'll be able to get their shot. Even though we still got Scotty, who we know can do what he does. Mm-hmm. We have all these other guys that were that still could shoot and still could do their part. So we wanted to play it that way as well. It was it was just a different concept. Right. All right, next segment that slides to BJ Armstrong pissing yeah. off uh, MJ. But then, Good old BJ. <laughs> but then – B.J. Armstrong remember a story as a teammate that when he played for MJ that it had to deal with uh, LeBrafford Smith story that happened with you know, the Washington ready. guard. <laughs> uh, LeBrafford Smith dropped 37 points against MJ, and Jordan claimed the man put his arm around him and said, good game. So on the back-to-back to Washington, MJ dropped 36 in the first half. But David Aldridge claims that this never happened, and Jordan used this to motivate himself. <laughs> your, your, Jordan said he made it up. <laughs> so your whole thoughts on this uh, LeBrafford Smith story and MJ story was going on here. Mike, Mike done anything to Mike did anything to psych himself up. Mike Mike knew the guy dropped thirty six. He knew he didn't put his arm on and told him good game, Mike. He, he knew he didn't do that. But the fact is, the guy still dropped that many points. So Mike took that personally, and Mike's like, okay, well, I'm just going to go out here and drop this amount. But the funny part was he told all the media and stuff that he put his arm around him and told him this just to give the media that thing of, uh-oh. So this is Mike's motivation for going and dropping this many points. Mike's motivation for dropping that many points was because the guy scored it in a whole game, and Mike wanted to prove he could do it in a half. <laughs> but, I just, but the dude finds the littlest thing. And turns it on its head to give him motivation. The dude didn't need no motivation. This is <laughs> I'm I'm going to say, but this is how this is how boring the game got to him. Right. 
or this was he to me it seemed like sometimes Mike was bored and he needed things like this to kick him and give him that gear to go just like Bradford Smith scores thirty something points in the game. Mm-hmm. You, th- you think Mike was playing hard that game or or he got bored because then the following game Mike just goes around drops thirty six and a half. It was like sometimes you thought, man, dude just got bored of playing basketball. And then when he wanted to turn it on, he would turn it on. When he wanted to turn it off, he would turn it off. <laughs> it was just crazy, man. It, it's crazy. Just any little thing he would use. <laughs> so fast forward back to that story with BJ. They go back, and BJ is just balling out like crazy. And he hit the game clinching shot and celebrated like crazy. And Jordan's over there taking notes. So you see Jordan in the locker room with his bat and cigar and just, like, talking to him. He's like, oh, okay, it's easy to be like that, you know, when, when it's 0-0. Zero, zero. Why won't he be like that when, you know, they're down 2-1? Or, you know, he just, he just already he, – he's making notes of, like, what he did. Well, Mike, Mike, Mike also said BJ should have known better. Yeah. <laughs> Mike said BJ – BJ should have known better than to do any of what he did after the game. <laughs> he, goes, he should have known better. And then BJ, and then they cut back to BJ, and BJ goes, "Yeah, I shouldn't have done that." But <laughs> hey, I knew he goes, I knew Mike was going to take this this way. He goes, and as soon as I did it, I was like, "I shouldn't have done that." <laughs> <laughs> but you get, I mean, BJ's coming back to a team that he played for, and but he knew better. He, he even knew better. True, but it's human nature. <laughs> he, went, he, went, he went, I should not have done that. Oh, looking back at it, yeah, but you're in a No, moment. he even knew it then. He was like, shit. True. You but- know he went in the locker room and he was about, boys, I'm sorry we got this game, but we about to get our shit blown out <laughs> for the rest of the series. Hey, uh, I don't, and it was my fault. I'm sorry. I, I don't know. I just think it's human nature. Even though he knows he shouldn't have did it, it's human nature. We all would have done the same thing, but we all would have did the same thing BJ did afterwards and went, shit, Mike's about to kill us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and and, and he proceeded to do that the next few games, and, and they end up, what, Just it was a gentleman's sweep? <laughs> so, I mean, BJ was technically right, but you're in the moment, you you know, you're on the former teenage you played for. This was it was in Chicago, actually, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, so you back you back in Chicago, so it's uh, <laughs> a little bit more empty than you should be. But. What's the old saying? You don't piss in the wind and you don't tug on Superman's cape. Yeah. Yeah. And all these people tugged on Superman's cape. <laughs> <laughs> uh then in the cron in, in the order that they go in, in the in in the last dance, they went ahead and went to the nineteen ninety five season. And they show the icon shot of Pippen pointing at the logo and telling MJ to come back. Loved and it. BJ, this <laughs> I remember what... I remember because the rumors were that Mike was coming back. <laughs> and and then when Pippen I was watching that game because that game was on uh NBC. Mm-hmm. And he put the shoe up and pointed at the logo and was like, come back. And I was like, oh shit, Mike's yeah. coming back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean, and then of course he released I'm a back press the release and this is all when he was coming back to practice with him right <laughs> well see he already was practicing with him and then he sent that fax that said I'm back when he felt that he could come back and play because he was already practicing because they went and got him and he was playing right after Space Jam and he was getting that itch because he had all the players come to Space Jam and was doing all this stuff and so he got that itch, and then, of course, bam, he was back. How cool was that, people, by the way? Because BJ goes, yeah, he called all these people to come in and play in his court in his Space Jam. And you can see him sitting over there. He was scouting. He was like, I can still get these motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> just the little nuggets that happened, and I never, man, just never heard of that. I mean, you yep. might have heard that, but I never heard that when he got people together and NBA players and had them play on the Space Jam set and had his trainer traveling with him because he said he had Bill's body for baseball as opposed to basketball. And yep. it, it was it was crazy, man, just seeing that whole how, how it all built up and 
And um, so he come back, and he's playing pretty well for the rest of the season. He end up, I forgot how much he did. Oh, yeah, he had he had 55 against the Knicks, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ten games after B or ten days after returning, he had fifty five against yeah, the Knicks. Yeah, they called a double nickel game, so he had fifty five against the, the Knicks. Um, then he gets bad. The, yeah, this game, he couldn't find a shot. Yeah, so but there's something about the Garden. <laughs> so about the guard, man. The Rams are wider over there, so <laughs> they got to be or something. <laughs> uh, so and then he gets to the playoffs and he runs up against Horace Grant. You know, you know. We know you got to bring this shit. Oh yeah, <laughs> he run. He ran up uh, against the Horace Grant and the Orlando Magic. I say Horace Grant because Horace. This this is his blowback game. Of course, you know Shaq and Penny is part of the team. Um, and uh, I made Shaq. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man. So it, this this game has been pretty good, and 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 Magic history. As you saw, he's driven the ball up the court, and he get past Nick Anderson. Nick Anderson actually was able to poke the ball from behind him. And in Magic history, we call it the steal. Uh, and so he steals the ball, and he finds Horace Grant. And, yeah, so he slams dunk, and it just went it – was, it was crazy. Uh, then, of course, he comes out, and, and, and Nick Anderson came out and said, well, um, 45 is not the same as 23. And there you go. And <laughs> the next game, because uh, technically he, he can't change number of the season, so he got fined for every game that he played 45. I <laughs> think sure he, I'm sure he could afford it. Oh, sure he can afford it. So, uh, needless to say, Orlando going to, to, to win the series. Um, the thing that got me and uh, <laughs> is that, man, he was sitting here like, you know, I won, you know, in the best of shape and – it was like just give credit to it. they had a younger team, better team at the time, and then they beat y'all. That's my two cents on it. But he come back with a vengeance and kicked our tail. Yeah, he comes back after playing a whole year and beat the hell out of that young but, team. But but it's also to mention Orlando had injuries as well, so he wanted to use that excuse that you know he was not up to par. We were missing two starters and a backup player that in the '96. Who cares? Y'all cremated. Nonetheless, though, um, yeah. But what, what was your whole thoughts against um, that series? I mean, yeah, that's that's my thought. I can go on all day, but you know. But anyways, I, I well, say it's, it's a quiz question. The last team to beat the Jordan playoffs is the Orlando Match, but unfortunately, I'm just we, mad. We y'all, I'm just mad y'all got in the way of us seeing them against Houston. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that, that's what I'm mad about because I would have liked to have seen that Bulls team against Houston. Yeah, that would that would have been that, that would have been an interesting series, man. That would have been that finals, the finals that gave the Bulls fits. Mm-hmm. That would have been the one that that I would have liked to see. You know, and that was the only bad part about it. Y'all got cremated by Houston. And, bro, the thing is, and this this that series alone, man. I remember watching that. And I'm just like Nick Anderson with those four free throws because during the season we we beat them pretty well, we played them twice and beat them pretty well. So I just just that said, I just never got it. I just Hakeem was just in another gear and he was just scoring anybody and everybody, and and he really took shots. Hakeem Olajuwon is dirty. Yeah, that dude did. Oh my lord! So let me watch it, Shaq. <laughs> like the way he done Shaq, I'm like good. God have mercy. Right. Have, have you known that I have still not watched that Clutch City documentary? Uh, I know you weren't going to watch it. <laughs> I have not watched it at all. So I'm no, hurt, no man. I'm uh, anybody I ever heard of. You have a lot of grudges. <laughs> a lot of basketball grudges. Uh, yeah. They all just in basketball, though. Everything else is fine in basketball. Yeah, you, have, you, you have so many basketball grudges. <laughs> Oh man, I'm t- I'm taking it with my grave, man. That's unfortunate. So many grudges. All right, so let's let's get to it. I know Kevin kind of mentioned earlier in the podcast in the podcast, but you know Jordan returns back, and so it was the first time that Kerr had played with Jordan, and MJ didn't like the fact that you know Kerr and Winnington hasn't been with the Bulls, you know, through their culture early on, and was really hard on these guys. And it got to a point where they got in a conversation, and and it, it really got to the point where Kerr 
erupted and he hits Jordan in the well, chest. Phil, Phil started calling ticky tack fouls against Mike mm-hmm. on Kurt. And Mike goes, Okay, you wanna you wanna know for real, I'll pop him. <laughs> so he pops him and then Kurt is like, I have something competitive in this. I don't have the skill to back it up, but I have some competitive in this. And then he, he popped Mike in the he popped Mike in the chest, and then Mike, of course, being Mike, popped the crap back out of him. Hit him in the face. <laughs> you know what? Mike said, I wasn't, hey, Mike said, I wasn't going to let him hit me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Phil proceeds to throw MJ out of practice, and he immediately got Kerr's number and apologized. I mean, Kevin, we heard this story before it even happened. We knew about it, but how, how, how did you see it being break down in the documentary? Uh, it, it broke down the way that everybody's been hearing about it that uh that Kerr wasn't wasn't having it my my favorite part is mike just going feel calling all these stupid ticky tack fouls <laughs> that was my favorite part of it he's like he's calling these ticky tack fouls and i was like well hell if you gonna call this then i'm really gonna foul you <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I wonder what his definition is a ticky tack foul compared to the basketball that we watch today. That's the real question. What, what is what is a ticky tack foul? <laughs> he, probably, he probably smacked his forearm. <laughs> yeah. Listen, and Jordan breaking down, he he apologized and he felt bad, and their relationship is better than ever. They still get along, and and like I said, listen, Kurt, <laughs> I respect Kurt for doing that because listen, you're not finna push me any type of way. I might be smarter than you, but you know. And they let him know that, you know what, I'm, I'm here, I'll listen to you, but you're not finna disrespect me as a man. Exactly. And uh, so I, I give Kerr a lot of credit because, you know, as you see, like, Scott Burrell and other teammates, that's just how Jordan is going. So this this is the the part where I'm, I'm still waiting yeah, for. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think Mike was going to close on Burrell. No. Burrell was a big goof. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess so uh, Jordan even said himself you know this is going to make me like the you know the enemy I guess the people that grew up and kind of know a little bit of them watching them I haven't really got that vibe at all from Jordan he, he, yeah, he, he was a you know he didn't take no nonsense as a teammate but you know for the most part you know I mean that's people any other guys you can play with that, that, people that grew up in that day of age people that grew up in that day of age knew competitiveness that's how we all almost all of us were Mm-hmm. We wasn't we wasn't cheap and oh woe is me people and everything like that. We were used to having people come at us, and we were used to we were used to that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. We were used to our coaches being hard asses, not like today where everybody's pampered. We we were used to that kind of stuff. So nowadays people are seeing it and they were like, oh he's a dick. No, we didn't view it as a dick. You know what we viewed it as? Hard love. Yeah. That is exactly what we viewed it as because our parents were hard on us to a certain extent. And back then, parents were hard on you and everything like that. It's called hard, tough love. And that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of people love Kobe, but, you know. But does it? You, <laughs> but he, he, he was just as hard on teammates, too. Um, Kobe's the same way. Yeah. Because Kobe tried, Kobe tried to emulate everything Mike did. Mm-hmm. And that was including the way that he was with his teammates and played ball. You just had Shaq on your team. So you couldn't do that kind of shit with Shaq. Nah. And Shaq wasn't Shaq, doing it. Shaq was just too damn big. Yeah. You wasn't going to foul the shit out of Shaq. Nah. In a practice and then be like, oh, well, that's what Mike did. Nah. Shaq would have freaking choked you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, slam right or something across the court. Get off me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man alright then it rose to the 1996 finals it was the uh, Seattle Supersonics god I miss the Seattle Supersonics man uh, versus the Bulls it just doesn't seem right without I, being there yeah I much rather would say Seattle Supersonics and Oklahoma City Thunder yeah yeah it's just weird man so um, and that's how long Kevin Durant's been in the league. He was actually on the Seattle Supersonics. Right. I'm telling you, crazy. <laughs> Just remember that same in the Suns uniform. So, um, but then they talked about you know before the series started, uh, Ma Rashad and Jordan went out to dinner at the same restaurant as George Carl. Cars walked by and then say hello to MJ. MJ took that <laughs> as a mental note and used it as fuel. 
Bulls went up three to zero, and uh, it took and then get MJ going right. It, it didn't take much. <laughs> it didn't take much. But George even said our thing was everybody on the team don't say nothing to Mike because we don't want to give him no motivation. Mm-hmm. He goes, don't say nothing to Michael because we don't want to give him no motivation. And by not saying anything to Michael at a dinner, <laughs> you gave him motivation. At least Wade's like, how you doing, Mike? <laughs> so your legit shit that you were saying don't do to give him motivation gave him motivation. <laughs> so with Mike, you are damned if you do, damned if you don't. Oh, man. Yeah, so um, George Carr, because he didn't want to tire Gary Payton for using for offense, decides to put a GP on MJ, and they want to straight. Stupid. It, it, it was a stupid move not to have him on him from the get-go anyway. Pretty sure. So MJ reactions, <laughs> they played a video for MJ. MJ's been a meme just during this whole series. They're just, they've been great, man. Uh, what, were your, what was your reaction when you saw MJ reaction to GP's comment? Oh, he started laughing with GP, yeah. But you could tell, you could tell his admiration for people and his flat-out hatred to people. Because mm-hmm. he just started laughing about the Gary Payton one. And he, he goes... I ain't got nothing against Gary. So he wasn't going to say that Gary didn't do shit against him. Yeah. He was just going to laugh, and he was like, I ain't got nothing against Gary. Now, if it was Isaiah Thomas that would have said that, he'd have been like, that dude, it's full shit. <laughs> well, he got all buggy out looking at the video. I was just crying. He's hilarious. It's hilarious. My favorite thing now, though, is the meme that they did where they put LeBron on there. Oh, yes, Talk, that was great. And he just starts laughing. <laughs> oh, when LeBron was on his uh, uninterrupted punt. The final yeah, when LeBron beat, said, when beat the this, this made you the greatest of all time, and you hear him, they go, Bruh. Yeah, that's when they played the 73-win wars in the uh, finals, and he beat them. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, <laughs> that That was funny, too, man. I was loving that one there. So uh, then we get to the end, and the Bulls clinched the title on Father's Day in 1996. And like but, Kevin and, mentioned, and, we always seen the picture, but we never got the sound clip. Exactly. How That's what we that, talked man? about earlier. Yeah, that was that that tore me up right there. That was like that was his raw emotion just coming out, and and you felt it because you always seen the pictures, and you're like, man, that's rough. That's that's a that's an emotional picture. But then you hear him wailing, and it's just that's that's that emotion that people didn't see out of Mike and to see it there, it that was that hit. Yeah, man. Did you, um, they was talking about, but but here's the, I'm going to go on, on off on a little thing. Here's the idiot LeBron fans. They said, Oh, well him beating that 73 team or that him beating that, uh, golden state team. That, yeah, that, that made him the greatest. That team with Durant was tough. It's like Durant wasn't even on that fucking team. Oops. I said, it shows y'all how stupid y'all are. Durant wasn't even on that team. Durant didn't join them until the next year. So please shut up talking to me. Wow. I was like, like, you don't even know what you're talking about anymore. If you were telling me that Durant was on that team and that's what made them so tough. He wasn't there, dude. So please shut up and refrain from talking to me. (laughs) You are not allowed to talk basketball with me ever again. Mm, man, what what was the guy who tried to took the ball from Jordan at that moment? I, I know they was going off on that too. Um, I forgot his name. Who was it? But I, oh. I, I, yeah, I, I know everybody was talking about that segment. But it was like you're not taking that ball from Jordan. I'm surprised Jordan yeah, he, just stuck him. He said I tried to get the ball away from him, and there was no getting it out of his hands. Mm-hmm. He said he snatched the ball away from me, and he was done. <laughs> he said that you wasn't getting the ball away from Mike after that. <laughs> I forgot who it was. Damn, I gotta go uh, back yeah. and rewatch it. Yeah, 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 I know someone mentioned that, but I had forgot who it was. So, uh, some of the posts, it was it was one of the it was I, was it Burrell? No, I don't think it was Scott Burrell. I'm not I'm not sure. Oh, God, I forgot who it was. I know they was talking. I know some. Yeah, I know. Talking about it, but I'm just surprised <laughs> Jordan just stuck to it day in there. <laughs> but yeah, he but, he took the ball back and was like, uh, "I got it. Yeah. Don't worry about it." <laughs> um, a few uh, kind of quotes that kind of popped up. The one we mentioned before about the BJ Armstrong is like, 
Let's see if all that trash talking starts when it's zero zero instead of five six point lead. That's when it started. That's the sign of a good man. If you can talk when it's an even score or talk when it's a behind score, then just go ahead. It's easy to talk. That one's a good quote. And then the one of the quotes I like too, and this is this is a real quote. And and you know what? He can say it like that. You know and. If you feel some type of way, then <laughs> you feel bad about your life. Don't sit there and feel bad about life. But, but it was a quote about his reputation on being a bad teammate because how he treat others in practice. Kind of him. He said, when it has a price, and leadership has a price. I pull people when they didn't want to be pulled. If you don't want to play that way, don't play that way. And he's like, I'm successful that way. That's why I'm here. And you're off doing something else. And he, yeah. he said it how it was. I'm like, because you know what? He worked harder than everybody else, and he had to get there. And that's true. And you know what? He can say that. He can yep. say that. And that was the end of that was the end of episode seven when he said that. That's when he got when he was getting emotional. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I, "I drag people with me." I was like, "If you don't want to come with me on the ride, then don't come." He was like, "But I'm going to drag you to victory." And you could tell he got emotional because that's how that's how Mike was. Mike was the ultimate competitor. In anything that he did, he competed. Mm-hmm. Just like when he was flipping quarters with the one dude in the other episode, he was a competitor. Yeah. He hated, he hated to lose, and he was going to drag your ass as much as he can because he didn't want you to lose with it. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how I see it, man. So this dude, this dude, kept more superstar players from winning a championship than any other basketball player in any single era. He kept more superstars championshipless mm-hmm. than anybody else in the league when he was playing. It was it was either him or nobody else. Yeah. yeah. You got to think he kept Charles from getting one. Reggie Miller didn't get one. Patrick Ewing didn't get one. Carl Malone, John Stockton, Chris Mullen, Tim Hardaway, freaking all these guys didn't get shit when Mike was there. Oh, it wasn't gosh, until Mike left that other teams were able to get in there and get it. And it was just Hakeem. Hakeem got him the two years. That's the only he was only he only got him the two years. And then after Mike left, other teams started getting him. But here's the thing: he didn't let no damn superstars win nothing. In this day and age, LeBron's let every superstar win something. Every superstar player has won during this era. Mind you, they've had to join super teams, but yeah. superstars have had their chance to go and win during this era. Mike didn't let nobody win except himself. And what I respect about those players, guess what? They still on their team and still try to go at Mike. Hey, let's team up exactly. Mike. But you know what? I mean, that's just the climate to lead this day. But I, I still, that's why, I, you know, I respect, you know, Reggie Miller and, and you no know, Charles Barkley and, and all these guys, and, they and, want to beat them. And, and freaking Patrick Ewing. Yeah. And, and guys like that, these guys didn't leave to become super teams. Yeah. These guys were already, they most of them were already on teams with legit two or three superstars. Yeah. Or at least two or three all-stars. Mm-hmm. These guys, were, but yeah. it, it, it just puts you in perspective of of things when people start talking about the greatest of all time and everything. This dude shut people down that are that are that were on the the fiftieth anniversary team of the NBA. The majority of the fiftieth greatest players were playing with Mike, mm-hmm. and Mike wasn't letting none of them have a championship. No, <laughs> Mike was Oprah. Mike didn't hand out stuff. Mike kept it all to himself. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, that should do it. I know we're coming up on the last two episodes, man. It's been a great, great docuseries so far. Um, really kind of kept us over. I, 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 I look forward to the Sunday night, so it's going to be heartbreaking, man, that these are the last two. And and um, Don't worry. Basketball will be back soon. Hopefully, man, they got two weeks to make a decision on it. They had a board of meeting and talk about it and try to do it in centralized locations and stuff like that. And, you know, it's encouraging that we see the teams going back in practice. And um, I think Miami just got clear. Right? It was encouraging that all the 
big name players are wanting to play. Yeah. Miami just that, got that, Miami, Miami that was just got cleared, cleared. right? Hmm? Miami just got cleared with their facility, right? They they oh, Miami, clear. Miami got cleared last week. Okay, I just I saw a sweet something like that. I can't remember, but yeah, uh, Miami got cleared right after Miami got cleared right after Orlando did. Okay. Yeah, because Orlando got cleared and they've been having guys there, and then Miami was not too long afterwards. Okay. Then I saw something that the Lakers gonna be cleared by next week. Lakers and Clippers. Yep. So. Yep. Um, which y'all is pointing to good signs, and uh, you know what? I, I would take it for two years. It, you don't it's want straight playoffs. Yeah, it's straight yeah. playoffs. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll take it for two years if y'all want to have fans and stuff like that and, and, and encourage uh, the, safety. The, the, the fan thing and everything's uh, 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 people saying two years, L.A. wanting to shut everybody down until Jesus comes back, um, even though half the people over in L.A. don't believe that Jesus is there. Uh, it, it's it, It's ridiculous with all the stuff that's being said about what's going on. Uh, fans will be back before you know it. NFL is going to have fans. College football is going to have fans. Uh, it, it, the, the thing is, 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 is once this thing gets a, once we get a good handle on this thing, we got, we got slapped in the face with it at first. But once, once there's now have been a good handle on this thing and we can sort of kind of flow with it, uh, it, stuff will start getting back before we know it. I think fans will be in attendance at stuff, especially in the state of Florida, before before you know it. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I like, know on the board. Of I think by the end, of, I think by the end of the month, wrestling will have fans in it. Whoa, you think so? That early? Yeah, I think I think by the end of the month or at least June, wrestling will start having fans in it. Oh man. I don't know. NBA kind of scared to do that because they're waiting for like a vaccine. I, I like listen. So for like football, it's well, NBA, open. NBA is scared to do it because you got idiot players that want to go grab on people's microphones and stuff. Well, that is in a closed space, so you got NFL that's out in the open a little bit. So that's why yeah. I say I'm a little scared. For that the wrestling, name. the wrestling up here can get out in the open, but if you're gonna have four million people in Walmart, which is the most enclosed space you can get. Mm-hmm. You can have people watching a basketball game. I hope so. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I think. I think a lot of the things that people are saying you can't do, you're already doing to a certain extent. Like people are saying, well, you can't gather people in one place. Well, then why the hell is everybody at Walmart in the grocery fucking section? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, it, it, it's it's no. Things are no different if you gather here than if you gather there. You know what I mean? You can't have a bar open, but yet you can go to a restaurant and you can drink at a bar. <laughs> I think a lot of people are just trying to see how Florida's going to do before they start doing stuff. I, I read an article on that 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 kind of Florida is going to be the barometer. So either this can go really good or it can go really bad. Well, here's the here's the thing. Our Positive tests going to go up. Yes. Positive tests will go up. You want to know why? There's more testing. The more tests you have, the more it's going to go up. But it's only going to go up percentage points. Like we're going to go from 3% of all these tests coming back positive to maybe 4%. You know, they tested a thousand homeless people in Jacksonville. Not a single one of them were positive. That's good news. That's people that are all outside all the time yeah. and are always near each other. No positive tests. And the thing is, the one big thing, and it's like I told you before, the thing you have to focus on is not the positive test numbers or these numbers. The numbers you have to focus on are the hospital numbers. If the hospital numbers still stay low, then things can start opening up. Things can start being played, and people can start going in and, and attending these things. Because the bad part was our numbers, but Florida, when this all started, they said we're going to have 400,000 people swap the hospitals. Mm-hmm. And, you know, no hospital had over, um, it was, I think, the, the highest capacity for a hospital with those patients were 46% of them were coronavirus patients, and that was down south when all of it first started 
I talked to a friend of mine who worked at who works at Shands UF on H Street in Jacksonville. Guess how many Corona patients were there the other day? Two. Two. Not two hundred. Not two thousand. Two. So if this is the direction that everything's headed in, I think things will be opening back up and we'll be able to do stuff uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, and I hope I just want to go to Disney or watch some type of damn wrestling or go to a football game, even if it is a Jaguar game. Hey, I hope it's trending in the right direction. I know they're a little scared without a vaccine available and all that stuff. So that's why probably everybody, everybody, everybody heard of the unknown. Oh, yeah. When this first hit us, it was the ultimate unknown. Now it's starting to become a known thing of how we can go about our daily lives and keep this thing at a minimum. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now we're, it's the thing is now you have to learn to live with something just like people. We had to learn to live with the flu and had to learn to live with this and had to learn to live to that. We'll, We'll live with it and we'll go on and we will find some way to adapt. The thing we need is a vaccine to help the older people with this thing. They're the ones that are the most vulnerable. Those are the ones that need it the most. Mm-hmm. If we can find some way to give the vaccine to them, because that's what everybody's worried about, is going out into the public, getting it, and then bringing it back to someone that is that is uh, that can't fight it off as well as we can. Yeah. And that's the scary part of this. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's what's, my concern. So. Everybody, everybody's not necessarily worrying about their self. They're worrying about the other people that they could possibly pass it on to, mm-hmm. and that's the scary part about that's the scary part about the thing. That's why we all watch watch what we do and who we interact with when we know we got to go home and we have a ninety two year old person at the house. Mm-hmm. So that's the one big thing that I'm hoping we can kind of do is get something to help our old people get prepared for it. But any vaccine is actually giving you the virus. Just like when you get a flu shot, you're getting the flu. Mm-hmm. It's just helping your immune system out. So if, if we get a, a flu shot or a vaccine for this or anything like that, it, it, it's going to work 40% of the time, maybe. So we, it's just another thing we got to learn to live with. And the sooner we can try to learn how to live with it, the better we're going to be in the long run. Yes, sir. Let's close this bad boy. I know y'all get back to a fresh fry. <laughs> I'm just the ultimate optimist, so. For sure, man. Well, like I said, I like to play by caution. Like you said, you mentioned you, you don't want to get everybody to say you, know you know me. I'm the complete opposite of where you are. Yeah. You'll sit at the house. My ass wants to go somewhere. I'm going to go. Well, hey, I, I don't know if you saw, but Top Golf tweeting said they letting people come make reservations until Top Golf is open. I've got that. I saw that notification over here, and I'm in in, in uh, Orlando. So yeah, Top Golf is yeah. gonna be open. Jacksonville, Jacksonville Top Golf is opening back up Monday. There it is. All right, let's close it back. I know you got family. Uh, at the so house. I, oh, they already left. It's too late. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, Uncle, Jimmy, um, Uncle Jimmy said he see me Wednesday. That's our <laughs> golf day. Golf day. All right, uh, guys. Make sure y'all stay tuned. We are gonna recap this next week. The the conclusion of the last dance. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And NASCAR racing. That's right. <laughs> I'm watching you on Sunday. I don't give a crap. <laughs> it's something to watch, right? <laughs> the cool part is uh, UFC did their second event from uh, from Jacksonville. Nice. They did over, I think they've said they did over 700 tests to guys. And only one of them came back positive. And he was sent home right afterwards. But the idiot came up here knowing that he... He's been in contact with somebody that had it at home, but he needed the money for the fight. So he came up here anyway. Beautiful. (laughs) So Dana told him, take your ass back home. Mm. I'll pay you. Take your ass back home, please. (laughs) But all the one positive. (laughs) All right. You can follow the podcast page at Ball Not Court. You can follow me at End of Mind of CP. And by me, Kevin C2415. All right, you go to our Facebook page and type in Balls Not Court Podcast there. Give us a like, give us a shout. Uh, you can go to our Podomatic page by typing in the mind of cp.podomatic.com. 
We're on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Windows, Google Play, Anchor, Spotify, and many other sites as well. Or Kevin like to say? Wherever you listen to us before, listen to us there now. Awesome. Thanks, God, for listening. We're going to close the podcast. We'll be back on next week. Tune for Kevin Carter, Sports Chess Paul. Enjoy the rest of y'all evening.